Bank Safety Podcast with Vance and Bart. I don't know about you, but I am going to be doing some holiday travel. Let me tell you, it is awful. <laughs> I've got to fill out so many forms. I've got to take so many tests. I've got to do all of this stuff just so these various different countries can feel safe trading us back and forth in an airplane. Oh wow. So you're not just like going to Florida. You're going to No. You're going to you're going to go to uh Alabama. Who who has its own uh immigration system. Nice. But either way, let me tell you I am not looking forward to jumping through all of these hoops just to get on a plane. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, I know we talked off air quite a few times, um, but my family has done a lot of changes. We're changing things in the way our priorities right now because of the, just the realization that what we always knew the state could do to us we didn't understand how close they were to doing it to us. You know, if, if you would have talked to me two years ago, I I wouldn't have thought that the state was in, in a place that they had enough control to lock people in their homes or use the police to, uh, uh, forcefully inject uh, mentally disabled people in California, but lo and behold, here we are, right? So my wife is kind of loosened up her rules on personal flying. <laughs> so I am, uh, currently in the market for my own, for an airplane for the family. I've been shopping pretty hard. Because we're not far away from them saying that I can't fly if I don't inject my children with a drug or myself or whatever other reason they come up with, right? They want to restrict my movement or my family's ability to move. So that's where we are now in our household is uh, I'm currently taking classes to upgrade my pilot's license so I can uh, a night fly and have the personal pilots, not a just a light sport. But if you think about the misallocation of resources, for that to be something I wasn't going to do before, and now it's something that I feel it's necessary for my family because I don't feel confident that I could just get on Frontier or not Southwest, but Delta. <laughs> anytime I wanted to pay the money to get on it. Instead, I'm 
getting a specialized pilot's license and buying an airplane of my own, putting it in a hangar, just so my family can feel sa- a little more safe. It, it, it does bring to light the point you're making around resource allocation. If things were to be left unfettered and the various different airlines were just susceptible to, let's just say market forces, the things that all the capitalist folks love to talk about. Mm-hmm. If we leave it to market forces, then yes, maybe eight out of 10 airlines will force vaccination and mandate that or whatever. But because it's not done at a state level, maybe two out of 10 airlines don't. Mm-hmm. And you, let's say you even pay a premium because one, they know they can get away with it. Two, they're having to operate with some extra level of liability that the government has put on them. Who knows? Insurance companies have put on them. I don't know. But even in that situation, you are prepared to use more of your resources and pay a higher fee to do what you feel you need to do. And that would, of course, be still a misallocation of resources because you're paying a premium for nothing. But compared to the extreme of what you're actually going to have to do, Mm -hmm. it's pennies. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about renting the hangar space for the plane, uh, the upkeep, the... uh, the, the constant inspections that you have to get to, to prove that your your airplane is airworthy. Of course, I always, with my planes, I get them uh, classified as experimental. That way, it does throw some of that government interference off of the plane. You can focus more on you know the actual... The plane, as opposed to all the uh, bureaucratic BS. But yeah, it's it's a huge deal. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's not cool. Like I'm not ha- kind of thrilled about getting a new plane or whatever. But to be honest with you, uh, we had it in the works that we were that I was going to build a a uh, Cobra Daytona, like a kit from factory five of the Daytona, the old sixties model. And I was going to put a modern engine in it. My wife was really digging that. The kids thought it was cool, but now, but now there's no, I can't do both of those things. It's not that I don't do pretty well with my job. Right. But this podcast is very lucrative. It, It really is. It pays for all that. Right. It's the principle of the thing. You don't want to look like that guy. You don't want to look like the guy with a multi-billion dollar podcast. (laughs) Right. When I bought this house, I was just running a remodel company in a bunch of different states. And now I'm this major podcaster. Yeah, now that you have global reach. Right. I don't... I've already got like the big fountain in in the front of my house now. 
with the like the cupid peen. In the, is it in the front or is it in the rose garden? <laughs> it's, no, it's like in the middle of my driveway. Which driveway of which house? Because now that <laughs> now that we have ones of listeners, I know that you've expanded your real estate portfolio. <laughs> yeah, we make a lot of money doing this, buying airplanes and shit like that. But the, I think the I, I think there's actually something in that. Talking a little bit about. Uh, real estate. I know we're being a bit cheeky there, but real estate could be another option for hedging your bets, right? Yeah. Because you're talking a little bit about, you know, your your plane as an option for how you can increase the scope of your own personal liberty and safety. Yeah. So you're looking in today's society. I, I know there's a lot of people. I mean, what? There's that big push. A bunch of people just moved down to Mexico, right? Apparently, there's just a bunch of libertarians in Mexico partying now. Where are they? I love a party. But not the libertarian party. Where were they? Um, Robbie the Fire Bernstein just went down there and did a comedy show. I'll just I'll just Google just... good sandwiches in Mexico. Yeah, there you go. Apparently, there's a bunch of them moved down there. So... I mean, that, that's an option for liberty. If you feel, say, if you went there to visit and you felt safer there or more free, that's an option for you, your family, whatever. Uh, there, There's a lot of different things that people do. Um, something that I'm very interested in is getting dual citizenship. That way I have more than one passport. So you have one U.S. passport and one vaccine passport? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in what, homesteads. I know that you and I have both talked about finding a piece of property that we can divvy up, maybe put some rental things on it or whatever. But um, really the goal would be to make a, a semi-self-sustaining homestead. But even that has risk. I mean, all of these have risks. But what we know today is you can't just sit here and live in the city societies that you are used to living in and expect to live free or safe from government overreach. So there's going to be things that you get that you, our listeners, have to do to... uh, Protect yourselves from the state, from, I don't know, the the Karens. It is funny that we've made them into a meme to ostracize them, right? The Karens of the world were this meme of some lady who says, can I see your manager and complains about everything and is just a busybody. But then... Somehow he put them in charge of everything. <laughs> Somehow. And now we've emboldened them to turn in their neighbors. Yeah, I saw a YouTube. It, you, the, the police were using the term Karen for a lady telling them what they weren't allowed to do. So they were calling her a Karen, the police. This is a pro-police YouTube video. I only could watch the very beginning, and I was like, oh, whatever. I'm done. 
Because the YouTube algorithm has clearly figured you out. Yeah. So if you're into guns, they think you're into police too, which is dumb because the police are who takes your guns and kills you for having them. I think that might be true, but it may not necessarily mean that those folks are as acutely aware of that as you and I are. Yeah, I know. I talk to my cousins all the time. <laughs> yeah, when, pe- when people talk about the Second Amendment, it's a pretty short jump for them to talk about the fraternal order of the police or whatever. I don't know. I'm winning them over, though. I still can't stand seeing one of those uh, don't tread on me and a blue line sticker on the same vehicle. (laughs) It just drives me nuts, man. Unless I pay your salary, don't tread on me. (laughs) And then you see those people in videos where they're being harassed by the police and they're like, I pay your salary. And the cop's like, I don't care. You're not my boss. We forcefully take that money. It's not like you're going to stop doing it. <laughs> well, the salary thing is funny because you're right. It's it's not something where we've paid and received a service by choice. So when people say, oh, I pay your salary, it should be more like, oh, you stole money from me. You don't get to also tread on me. <laughs> you don't get to beat me up and take more of my shit. Yes, we do. <laughs> you know? We absolutely do, and you're going to continue to pay for it. My parents have opened their eyes to that. My cousin has started coming around to that. So ever since the riots, when I was like, look, because you and I have, we didn't realize the riots were going to get like they did, or we didn't think that COVID was probably going to go as far as it did, but we knew that that was where they wanted it to go yeah, and what they wanted to do. So when the riots started happening, I was like, look, they're going to, you know, they're always talking about the fucking courthouses. I guarantee you they're not, they don't give a shit about the private. And here comes out all the fucking videos of right down the street, the CVS getting kicked in. Some old lady that owned the place getting drug out and beat up. All their shit getting taken, and the cops are just right down the street protecting the fucking courthouse. I was like, I told you that was what, and he, he has come around to that. He's, he's like, you're right. They don't work for me. They don't, and I think, I think it's just because most people have the default where, in a lot of situations, you never really interact with the police. I, I would say most people on average, won't get pulled over some even once in their lifetime. They won't really be in... Bart's car? Exactly. <laughs> the prime real estate for getting pulled over. Yeah. I've, I, you know how, how they like me. You remember my mohawk. I got pulled over a lot. I was always driving late at night. But for folks like you and I who are driving late at night or you know, in some of the smaller towns late at night, especially. Mm -hmm. But on average, if folks don't have interaction with the police, they just go with the default, which is the fact that the police are here to serve and protect. And 
I'll be honest. There are a lot of people who go into policing believing that that's what they're supposed to be doing and that's what they're for. So it's not ridiculous to think that that's what people think by default, but you come around to it. Yeah. And those are the, the, the types of things that you need to be ready for when it happens, not after it happens. So when you think about these things like a plane or finding land elsewhere or, I don't know, uh, seasteading. Oh, yeah. That is fascinating to me. It still is. I, I know the the active seastead was taken over by a military and stolen from the people, and they had to evacuate it. But I like the idea. I really do. It just... Well, how many things go well on their first attempt, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, the if they had stopped building mega yachts after the Titanic... How many cruises would I have not gone on? At least four. How many cruises have you not been on? <laughs> I've not been on I've, a lot, but I have. I've not been I have on a lot. Been on four of them. Okay, you have been on at least four, yeah. and you've not been on certainly four. <laughs> certainly, yeah. Did you read the ethics of of anarch anarcho capitalist ethics or the ethics of anarcho capitalism? Did you read that? Unless it had an iceberg in it, I didn't read it. So it was it's really cool because it was written in like a story form where somebody it was a plane crash or something. So they start out on an island, four survivors, but then they get rescued. They end up on a seastead anarcho capitalist society where they get rescued too. It's very interesting. I feel like that's somewhere or something that a sea state could be turned into. Because what's the story though? I don't think I understood what you mean by this. What could it be turned into? The city, I guess you, you, of course, you didn't read. So the seastead was it was a bunch of people's seasteads, but they were all able to inter like interlink. So it ended up being just this communal city, really, because everybody because everybody could leave at any time. Everybody had to kind of coexist. You don't want the only guy who can make burlap sacks to to get pissed off and leave, right? So you kind of got to be nice to that guy. Until you learn how to make burlap sacks, and then you tell him to piss then off. Then you tell him to fuck off, right? And and if he sucks as a person, that's what you do, right? Because it's worth it. Or if it's or if he is awesome, you you learn something else. And that's kind of what the story was about. It was it just kind of naturally polices itself. Your bad actors just they end up going somewhere else where they can use the power of the state to get over on people because it's easier that way. And the people who want to just do good, they end up staying because that's the place for them. So with seasteading, I'm interested in how people think about that 
as its own country in some way or its own city because <laughs> that's how our government would probably see you as some foreign entity. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of the things we talk about in achieving liberty and safety can either take place within our borders or outside of. But if you go outside, I feel like you're still on their radar and in some ways maybe even more so. So you are. Like, uh, well, we proved that with, with Singa- was it Singapore. Oh, I can't remember. But, you know, they put that seastead out there, a family stayed on it for, what, a month or two? and then. But it was just the one, right? It was the first one. It was their self-sustaining seastead, and they had okayed it. It was in international waters, but it was close to, you know, certain countries. So they okayed it with those countries, just said, hey, look, we're going to be here. Is that a problem? Is it going to be a problem? If it is, let us know. We just won't put it here, even though you don't control those waters. We're not trying to make an issue, you know? And, of course, they said okay, and then they're like, well, that looks like something we could use. So they came and stole it. So that's an issue, right? That's that's free market problem, all right? Yes, free market problem dealing with the government, but all right, so we need to come up with a solution to that. And that's where like the Seastead City thing was, yes, it's in a book, it's a theory, it didn't happen, but it's a bunch of them, right? (laughs) And, And they're the primary company that built, I guess, the the units, the base floating units, is mm-hmm. a security company. And the security company has purchased the, the Seastead part from another security... Apparently, one of the security companies went... Not in the way of liberty. The people were bailing on the whole idea. And it became not lucrative. So another security company that did have ideas of liberty bought it. And then it became lucrative because the right company owned it, you know. So they deal with things like foreign powers coming in with their navies and whatnot through mostly through just internet publicity using cameras and just very well documented thrown out on the internet that we're peaceful people here and here's a foreign power that says it's doing good you know muscling on us Uh, but they do have weapons and whatnot Well, and I don't want to be too cynical about it, but even if you have a foreign power infringing on you and it's documented and proven and shown, is that enough? Because I have to say, 
if you look at the way the governments are treating even their own citizens right now, that is well documented and put out into the world and on the internet, who is going to come defend you? No, it's not enough. And 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 in the the book, it wasn't necessarily enough either. But in most circumstances, it was there. There's depending on the government that's coming after you, if it's so let's take examples of what goes on today in the world. If America comes after you, it's not going to be enough. But like if, you know, Venezuela, yeah, Venezuela comes after you and you show that they're not being, you know, nice or moral people, and you get it out on the internet, then yeah, the public outrage will will probably be enough. Where where they just won't they won't want to deal with that, right? So it's just not a one. It, again, a reason for the free market answer is it's not a one size fits all answer. If we consider the globe its own free market, though. And the U.S. is this mighty power that has a huge military. How should the globe respond with a better solution now that we've run out of land? Well, we don't want a military conflict as libertarians or as ANCAPs, right? We want to find liberty in a peaceful way. So that's what we're gonna do. We get we're gonna some of us are gonna move to Mexico. Some of us are gonna move to some little town way outside in supposed China boarded borders that's become like a little uncapped village. But wait, where is this? Uh there's a there's somewhere in China that a couple more than one peop person lives in the liberty scene that's like uh it's it's just so far outside of like the main you know way on the outskirts of China in the China lands, you know, whatever their border supposedly is, right? That they just don't it's not worth it to enforce anything out there. So it's become like this little ANCAP society. It's kinda cool, right? In China. So there's a so, there's a city in Mexico that's done it, um, the, the seastead idea that you know didn't work, but it's not that it's a bad idea. I think there's a lot to do with that. I think all these things are wonderful ideas, and I think we need to keep doing them because what's going to happen is we are going to become the majority. The the bigger the government gets, the more intrusive it gets, the more world dominating it gets, the the more people are going to be looking at things our way. So as long as we keep trying all these different things, one of them is going to catch on. And everybody with that kind of mindset is going to end up kind of more of a steering that direction. And 
it'll be a good thing. But until then, we've got to protect our family because unfortunately, <laughs> the facts are is you and I are living right now, right here, right now. Just like the song says, we have to come up with a solution for us and our closest friends or our closest family. Me, airplane, property, somewhere outside of just prying eyes, just not downtown, right? Not going to go buy a condo to stay free. Other people are moving to Mexico. People are moving to Singapore. Singapore? No, Saipan. I knew that didn't sound right. Uh, Saipan. Um, people are moving back from Saipan, apparently. A couple of guys moved back. What did they find in Saipan that they did not like? I haven't heard anything serious that they found that they didn't like I just from what I gathered at least one of them was more like in like living there <laughs> it was just I guess you know a lot of these guys that I listen to that are kind of trying this expat thing for the first time are city guys from California being an expat from the city in California is probably a little different than being an expat from the swamps of Florida. I'm a hands-on kind of guy. Somebody who's who could build things, fix things, right? So the place that I'm going to thrive is different than the place that a lot of these guys I listen to will thrive. And I think that's something that we all got to remember when we're looking for that place is what do I bring to the table? Is this the kind of land that's right for me? Well, and is that even the answer? Is is it more important to stay and fight the good fight where you are? Yeah, but these are all things that we have to kind of weigh we have to weigh them day to day because things change every single day um, and we have to do it with our families and our friends and we have to take them into consideration it's not easy for the family man with the wife and kids to say fuck it let's go to Saipan when you know his grandparents live in New York or wherever, right? And the family it's close. They don't want to leave their grandparents or their their cousins or their brothers or their sisters. So those kind of things hold people back and not hold people back in a negative way, but they're things that anchor somebody to a location so when you think about leaving and you're not you're one of those people that can leave you also got to think about that you got to think about the fact that 
you're not the only person with a liberty minded uh that's liberty minded there's other people that are anchored to this place and has it gotten to a point that i feel like i need to leave and not help these people anymore like i it's be gone beyond that for me and it will it can go beyond that it will go beyond that if it keeps progressing and i that's if you decide that it's time for you to go that's not I'm not talking shit about that that's that's a decision that you should make and if you decide that you you got to go then more power to you but um we should try to stay maybe a little longer than it's comfortable for us because there are people that can't leave yet that aren't to that point. Maybe we should help them out a little bit. And that's why it's worth investigating your different options where you are as opposed to flying the coop. How can you prepare? How can you, how can you live off the grid while still being in the city? You know, because mm-hmm. you can still take advantage of things like solar, mm-hmm. things like growing your own food, things like filtering your own water. Yeah. Or, I mean, in my case, mine, the airplane is, is a way for me to stay longer because if I weren't to buy the airplane, I'd feel like it was more important for me to get out of here now before they won't allow me to leave. So by buying the airplane and paying for the hangar and getting the pilot's license, the the upgraded pilot's license, paying all this money, I'm able to stay here longer and fight the fight. So misallocated resources, but at least they're for a good thing. It's just unfortunate that that has to, that I have to fight it this way, you know. But those are those are things that you can take into consideration uh, as a listener. You could you could say, "All right, I want to stay here longer. Let me prepare to leave quickly. That way, I can stay longer. Because if I if I don't prepare to leave quickly, then I." my window of opportunity to leave is smaller if i if i prepare to leave quickly then i've got a bigger window of opportunity to leave because i could stay right up to the end and then i can go you know though that's a it's i guess it's not a little thing but it it is it's something that somebody can do who really doesn't want to leave yet you can just start preparing to leave faster. That's all. Um, you can start buying gold. Yeah, buy gold, buy Bitcoin, buy silver. The little, you know, like the, you know, you get your one ounce pieces, but then there's the little, uh, what are those? The little tiny bits that are like 20 bucks worth of silver. What are those called? I don't remember slugs or something little things like that are are great i i love silver 
believe even though silver is maybe not a good investment if you're like investing in currencies at the moment <laughs> because it's all manipulated right now but i like the idea of like owning gold but silver just for like buying groceries or whatever when it when the shit hits fan the small purchases probably be easily done with silver i think or bitcoin <laughs> one thing that i will say about the cryptocurrency or anything that is digital just be mindful of the infrastructure you use for that mm-hmm. absolutely because if you are using something that is requiring you to be a citizen of a certain place or re- identify yourself in a certain way or let's just be honest use the internet that you pay for by using essentially a federal utility you need to have alternative paths to those things yeah uh you know more than me about that but i certainly know diversifying and staying off of companies that are centralized in the United States or even just a company in general can be forced to do things. It doesn't take much force either. I mean, look at look at Coca-Cola. We talked about them with uh, Stacey Abrams. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> uh, making sure that what the All-Star game wouldn't come or to Georgia because they required IDs to vote because black people couldn't get IDs or something. Now, by the way, she's saying that, was it Amazon? Yeah, Amazon had a vote to go union union or not, but they, so they put the, the, the thing that you put the votes in, in the parking lot, where all the employees park, they said for convenience reasons. But apparently they're saying it was too close to the executives where they could watch the employees put votes in, which they're somehow supposed to know what the vote was that the employee put in. So it was intimidating people not to go union. That's why it didn't go union. Uh, what? Yeah, and apparently I, minorities, I, there was a minority thing in there too. Wait, so the box for voting is in the parking lot, and is everyone voting? Or is it just a matter of like, if I see you at the voting box, that means you're pro-union? Is that what that means? No, is everybody, like it was a yes-no vote thing. I guess you could not vote. Yeah, so is is there something to be determined if you abstain? I don't know, man. I, I, well, I mean, I worked for a plumbing company that this they were doing the union vote, and they made us vote like right there with our hands so that the managers could see us. How did that go over? Well, I didn't want to go union, so it worked out for me. 
Because I had just left a, pl- a union plumbing company. I got in trouble because I was helping somebody. And by helping him, I was taking jobs away from other people. Well, you are absolutely evil. I know. I don't, I do not get, I do not do work uh, well in a union work environment. <laughs> I've tried it many different industries and <laughs> yeah, it didn't work out well. So this is what Stacey Abrams has been out of shape about now is Amazon's box. Is she for or against this vote box? I think she's pro-union. I don't know. Is she... I was trying to read all the voter suppression shit around her. That was one of them. She's already positioning herself to lose the election and it to be because of the racist voting restrictions here in Georgia. Is it because they put the vote box in Georgia's parking lot? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Or apparently only white people know how to get IDs. And, and again, I think we should stress this. It's not fucking driver's licenses. It's IDs. Like, you can take your child and go get them an ID. With your social security card and whatnot. And how much does that cost, Daddy Warbucks? Well, last time that my license was taken from me for seven years, it cost me $10, I think. $10? Yeah. And you think a black person's going to afford that? Is that what it is? Is black people can't make money? I think it is something around the economics of it. I think if you could get an ID free, it might be okay to have ID laws, but because you have to... Pay for them. Pay for an ID, it can still be... I still don't know how it's racist, though. Yeah. Because that would mean that the implication is that Money is racist. Black people racist. Yeah. Well, it would just imply that black people have <laughs> money's like fuck. No, I'm not getting in that black guy's wallet. Fuck that. It's just like a bunch of little racist money dollars are running around. If we still man their argument a bit, uh, historically, white folks have had higher incomes. You're right. So. We used to not pay them. I remember that. Do you remember that back when we had slaves? That was pre-COVID. It's hard to remember. It feels like forever ago. It does. I would say, especially in Georgia, the folks who have most of the money, I would say, are white folks and Asian folks. So I don't know, man. If you've been to Buckhead lately, it's almost all rich black people. Well, there's Atlanta and then there's Georgia, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because the aforementioned Coca-Cola has made a lot of white billionaires. Mm-hmm. So if any of them are still in Georgia, it might be that. But on average, I would say there's something to be said with the different economic classes and how they overlay with the different races. That said, it's a bit of a stretch to make something that's $10 racist with unemployment laws. And then like the welfare checks and all that, like it, it comes down to like, 
if anything, it's like against the people who got felonies because they can't get the welfare checks, right? Well, I think you just you just fix the problem and not the symptom. So instead of trying to go all the way around to circumnavigate this issue, why don't you just say that IDs are included in welfare of any kind? Mm-hmm. So if you cannot afford an ID, we, it's like an attorney. If you cannot afford one, we'll give you the shitty one that guarantees you go to jail. But a free ID would get you to vote, right? So I think if you say that IDs are free, if you can't afford them, you no longer can say that ID laws are racist. If you are saying that only black people can't afford IDs because only black people are poor enough to not afford ID, right? Then it is racist to say they're free for people who can't afford them because now you're only giving free ones paid for by the other people to black people because at this point only black people are poor. So you would have to do free IDs for everybody for it to not be racist. Can you be racist against white people? Webster, no. It's a trap. There's no con-